What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Table Podcast. I am Nick Han, joined by Drew and Miguel, and uh, we hope that you're all doing well. What episode number are we on? Nine. Nine. We're it's one away from nine. ten. That's this right. that, Ten is going to be a huge milestone. Mm-hmm. You know that? That's Make big. it. Made it till ten. Uh, hope everybody's doing well. Uh, do us a favor. Continue to tell your friends about this podcast if you like it. Like, comment, rate, review, all of that kind of stuff. Tell your friends on social media. And get them to also join social media. Social media. What do you guys been doing on your social media lately? Social media is so interesting, you know, yeah. and fascinating to me. All of the things that it continues to evolve and become. You guys pretty active? Well, that's Are you the social thing, like, media active. <laughs> I'm on there all the time, but I never like post or do anything. Dude, I'm one of those people. You're a ghoster, man. I'm a ghoster for sure. You know what I think is so weird about social media? One, <laughs> um, no, I won't say that, but uh, I think it's weird how like people are sometimes ghost followers on social media. Mm-hmm. They'll talk to you about things that they saw you post, mm-hmm. but there's no, they didn't like what you posted or comment on what you posted. And then I think it's equally weird that like humans care about that, like yeah. why that's a weird thing. And I also think it's weird that people will comment on other people's things like people they don't know, like especially mm-hmm. in the church world, it's freaking hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like if it's a Stephen Furtick post or if it's like, like I see people hustling to get yeah, noticed, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. But they won't like their friends post. They yeah. won't comment on their friends stuff. Uh-huh. It's just like, and it's just to me, it's like human psychology, but it's weird the way yeah, it is. the brain works. One time I accidentally liked an inappropriate post on social media because I like follow world star or something. Oh, like yeah. that. And I had somebody like mess it. Like I just accidentally, yeah, like yeah. as I was swiping, I you know time, what I mean? Yeah. And somebody was like, dude, why did you like this post? I'm oh, like, no. oh, thank you so much for telling me because oh, it's so no. embarrassing. Yeah. Definitely not okay. <laughs> but um, man, support your friends on social media. Don't be don't be a weirdo, man. Don't be weird. You know, you should show love. Yeah. Drew's got a song coming out on 420. 420, baby. Tell everybody 420. Like it's, it's just, like, you know, it's just another love song that I've I just get wrote. lit, get lit with love yeah. on 420. On 420, so. and uh, Drew knows how to write some love songs. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I'll tell you that. Tell me that right tell, now. Tell him. Can, can I tell you? Can <laughs> tell I tell you that? that? <laughs> hey, that I'm gonna tell you that. How can people find the song that you're releasing? Um, on my Instagram, or if you just go to search Drew, your Instagram handle changes like a lot. I'm trying to figure this thing out. <laughs> Am I Andrew Han? Am I Drew Han? Am I Drew Han music? I am. Am I the, the thing Drew is, the band? The thing is, I had Drew Han. What are you now? You're... And then, and then I I switched it, uh-huh. and I couldn't get Drew Han oh, back. Doesn't that oh, suck? It got me. I lost OT Bean Dip, and then I couldn't get that back. <laughs> <Yeah>. Miguel's <laughs> old social media handle was OT Bean Dip, dude. Why was it OT Bean Dip? Oh, because back in the day in high school, we went on like a late night food run. And I was with a group of friends, and I saw some bean dip. I was like, oh, my gosh, bean dip looks so good right now. And they're like, you're so Mexican. So they just started calling me <laughs> bean dip. And it just stuck why for, o- like, so why long. O- why OT? OT was, like, part of this, like, uh, okay, in my in my past, I used to be a professional gamer, semi-professional A lot of people gamer. don't know that about yeah, you. Yeah, they don't. Um, so you join, like, a team or whatever, and, like, the tag on the beginning part of it was, like, OT. So like, it just kind of, like, stuck. And then... Yeah, I just stuck Is with that, that like something like people should take seriously like when people are gamers? 
Oh, it's crazy. It's like, even when I, cause I was in early, like it was like, bring your own like consoles and like bring your own TVs and you set up at, at a professional event and stuff like that. Like I was in, in the early years and even then people were making like six figures. If you were like one of the best now it is insane. Like one tournament that you win could be a million dollars and it, and that's not even a million dollars, like more than that. Like, like league of legends and these bigger world of Warcraft and stuff like they win millions and that's not even sponsors. Like their sponsors alone bring in more, like it is insane. It's weird how it's a thing though, because I, I was reading something that like one of the highest, like some of the highest paid YouTube videos are like, gaming oh, yeah. videos yeah even twitch is like huge now like people you, watching people play video games but why do you want to do that it's more about the personality right of the, of the yeah person it, playing it, it's both it it's like that. okay how do you get better you know because they want to get better but then it's also like i want to hear this person talk and you know you you almost like get drawn into like you like you know this person almost because they're they're streaming every day for hours and you can just pop in and see what their life is like and Stuff like that. It's wild. Why did it's crazy. You, but like, so, but w when you're watching, because um, a buddy Marcus, he plays football, but he also wants to like be like a bunch of other things, and he mm -hmm. posts, he like posts these like videos of pe watch me play Fortnite, and it's yeah. like, dude, oh, yeah, why, yeah. why does anybody want to watch you play Fortnite? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> why do people want to watch that? I don't know. But it's a thing, right? Oh yeah, yeah it is. It's wild. Oh, this it's, day and age, man. These young kids, you man. Sound These kids, so you know, yeah. like, <laughs> can you get your life together? Let's watch, but it's weird. People do. They get, they get, get pulled into that. Well, is it weird to think like your son could be like? Well, like, yeah. I mean, you never gamer? know. You, you, actually, I, w I wouldn't mind that. I don't. I think that if it actually is is beneficial, then that's fine. I just don't get like the concept of let me watch you play a game. Why not watch myself play a game? Yeah. Why not me play the oh, game? Oh, I see what you're saying. Why am I going to watch yeah. you play the game? You like, know? it seems like you're wasting your time. You're just watching someone else play. That's the most boring part of, like, a, of a friend's I party. I mean, but same thing in any sport, you know? Like, why watch somebody oh. play football? Okay, so gaming is on the level of football and that's what. Yes. That's the really? conversation, yes. right? Like, the, the, the skill gap is there. Yeah. It's absolutely Well, there. and they're making bank, dude, so... Let them do them. It's the and Wild keep West. Making bank. Yeah. And if your name's OT Bean Dip, then That's you right. just OT Bean Dip hey, away. What, isn't it called something like uh, eSports? Yeah. So, yeah, it's eSports, basically. Oh. That's what they call it. Yeah. Hmm. And it's like there's full on leagues and there's like full on, like, it's it's wild. Like, fans that, like, they'll, they'll sell out arenas of just do they people all go, watching. Do, they, do they, most of them go under uh, like code names too? Like, yeah, so they all have like their their thing or whatever. What is like, your like the biggest name right now for you know um, uh, on Twitch is uh, Ninja. Like he streams a lot of um, Ninja's his name. Yeah, like that's his like whatever. What does but he, he look makes like, like millions. Like, but what does hair, he look like in real life? Isn't it always funny? Like when you like, I think it's like that with radio hosts too. Like when you hear their voice or you hear their name and you think that they look like one. Oh thing, yeah, and then they don't. Mm -hmm. Like OT Bean Dip, I would have pictured to look like you. Like I would picture. <laughs> I would think. Wow. You know well, what? What do you think Ninja looks like? Ninja. Okay, I'm not gonna look. Okay, don't, yeah, don't look. Okay, so Ninja is for sure a heavy set Caucasian male. <laughs> with blonde hair and he for sure has like a pocket on his t-shirt like he's the kind of guy that has a pocket on his t-shirt and um he can he wear glass he wears glasses when he needs to but then he doesn't like if he's just like with friends 
Am I ready to look? <laughs> okay, go ahead. This is no and blue dude, hairs, dude. skinny white. He dude. looks straight up out of like a like the cool guy in a Disney movie. Like like remember yeah. like a Xenon or like a um what's that what's that movie? Um I can't think of it, but like a lot of the neon colors and they had a it's like they live in a like an alternate universe. That's oh, what he looks like. Uh, like that uh, I know what you're talking about. No, he looks you know like I mean? um he looks like uh, no, Avatar he, cosplay. He looks exactly, dude, what you would think a gamer, <laughs> like a movie gamer dude to look yeah. like. Like, that's exactly yeah, what yeah, he looks like. Like, See, like um, Ninja. Like What a legend, bro. How much? What is the weirdest tag name you've ever had, Drew? I don't think I've had. Oh, I, my first email. My first email was, um, oh, Toto, bro. <laughs> Toto. Toto. Why? I don't know. I just want to think it's funny. I mean, no, I I'm saying, by, why would I name oh, that? Why? You know what I mean? I that was my why? first email address. Toto at Cele- at Sea Faith. Dude, I had one <laughs> at Sea Faith. It was, that a Christian, was it was a Christian email. Wait, so we were yeah. allowed, bro. We used to have this thing called the um, Angel Guardian. I don't know if it's still a thing, but the Angel Guardian oh, it would yes. take out it yeah. would take out curse words and replace them with other words. Wow. Anytime that like the even the word sex was used on TV, it would always say hugs. Yeah. So it'd be like Pete, they're having hugs. Like it's just so weird and strange. <laughs> do they That's... do that for like songs too, movies, everything? Oh, yeah, oh whatever's playing on whatever's the TV. Playing, yeah, yeah. Whatever's playing, whatever goes to the TV. I want to So that's what we were up. at Sea Faith. I think mine was, uh, one of mine was, I was a key jammer. Yeah. But I was a, a piano player. So it was like, I'm jamming on the keys, key jammer. Yeah. I've used DJ Nickel Dust. We had a friend one time. His name was Sir Moonshine. You remember oh, yeah, that? Sir Moonshine. <laughs> He's like, but he was like well into his 30s. So we're but like, you wouldn't expect him to ever dude. have it be Sir Moonshine. No. Like, where? how did that happen? Yeah. We all have weird things like that. And so if it's weird and you got something weird, just change it. It's okay. Yeah. Support your friends. That, hey, that's what the internet's for, though. What? Weird. Be a little weird. Be a little weird. Be a little weird. Hey, I can change my name four times in one week. Yeah, you, know you I mean? can. But that's okay. why people have like Finstas and stuff like that now. It's like they... They want a space Finstas to just like... are for people that, yeah. I mean, they, they why? Why do you want that space? It's like we want to be able to, what, be somebody we're not or show our true colors, but you shouldn't do that. <laughs> like, I feel like sometimes like people learn, people lose what boundaries are. Yeah. Like to me, like those are like excuses to like just do whatever yeah. I want. And, and you know what? Social media, man, you... Social media, you find people like who people really are when you follow them on Snapchat or their Insta story. Like you start seeing like yeah. people, it's like, what? That's your personality? I never thought that <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was your personality. Yeah, also, it's really funny when people on their Instagram look a certain way and they do closed mouth smiles, but then you run into them in person and you realize why they only do closed mouth smiles. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey, it's like, it's oh, like, I saw a dude the other day oh, and he was no. like, um, he was like, he's like, I uh, just got my new teeth in time for whatever. And he was like smiling with his teeth. And then I was like scanning back. And it was like a random, yeah. also random, like how you end up on people's pages that you don't know and you'll never see again. But you like look at their photos. That's yeah. creepy because oh, people yeah. do that to you. Or when you see like how many profile visits you've had in the last week. Do you have that? Or it's like a, oh, a yeah, yeah, business yeah. account. Uh-huh. It shows like how many oh, people. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, back to the guy. He was like, just got my new teeth. He's smiling with his teeth. And then I scanned back at his pictures and none of his pictures, like for the past like years. Just like, really? It was always closed mouth smiles. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, dude, you're exactly like girls that wear sunglasses in every picture. Yeah. And then they take them off and you're like, that's why you're <laughs> yeah, wearing those sunglasses. Eyes. <laughs> well, we don't have to get that rude with it. Here we go. I think that they get the picture. But yeah. anyway, you can be whoever you want to be. Yeah. Um, just remember, you still got to look in the mirror at the end of the day. And I hope you're happy with you. And social media is not real life, but I hope you have a good real life and you enjoy it. I like how you keep calling it social media. Social media. That's what it is. Social media. Um, social media. 
Get your song on 420. Yeah. Follow and uh, Instagram is. Yeah. It's, it's, um, let me look at it. Might, it might change yeah. by the time this if airs, you're not, but if you're I'm not, not going <laughs> to change it. I'm leaving it here because, um, if you're not following the crew, follow the crew. It's Drew the band. Drew the band. Which it's not really a band. Hashtag not a band. That's the, yeah. That's but the that's only. what we're going with now. So at and Drew. It's going to stay that. At Drew the For band. Now. For now. And uh, <laughs> get his music. Show him some love. Post them in your story. Repost them. Comment some lightning bolts and some, I don't know, another emojis. Some, uh, you know what they should do? Like, I always think about this. I wish that we could leave like soundbite comments oh, yeah. because that would be fun. <laughs> no, like, there's nothing more fun than me getting able to just say something to you. Yeah, that'd be that'd be great. You know what I mean? And then like play it back. <laughs> well, you do and be it, like, you, uh, no. Usually, like, you, just like as a as a, you know what I mean? How awesome would that be for you to post a picture and then somebody be like, like uh, no. no. Like, <laughs> how about no? Yeah. <laughs> just like, dude, that would revolutionize the social media game. Like, oh, we no. we could do that. <laughs> we could be the ones. We could, but we, we could won't because we're all talk. Anyway, <laughs> today on the podcast, did you give them your Instagram? I don't know oh, yeah. you got. What's your uh, what follow is the mine? crew? Uh, OT being it? No. No. You know what? The fun, re- the funny reason I had to change it is because me and my wife were about to get married, and we were gonna do like a surprise wedding, uh-huh. and like no one was gonna know and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Um, and she's like, "I'm not like saying surprise. I got married to OT being there, so change it right now." <laughs> I <laughs> so I had to change it, and uh, then now incredible. it's uh, Miguel S underscore fourteen. Miguel, That's I always it. call you Miguel, but I guess it's, it's Miguel. It's how it, my name is Miguel. So Miguel, yeah. what? Miguel. Underscore underscore four, no no Miguel S underscore fourteen Miguel so so complicated <laughs> so complicated Miguel S, S underscore fourteen and uh, follow the crew give them some love today on the podcast we have a very uh, unique special guest I've been super pumped about having this guy in the podcast because his story is one of those that ever since the first time I heard it 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 literally makes my head spin and um, you hear if you've been around church or faith or um, I think just human nature and ever been around, if you've ever experienced a controlling person, if you've ever been a controlling person, you see, it's hard to admit, but you see elements of yourself and the people that you've been um, maybe in contact with through his story. His name is Walter Diamond. Walter was a part of a cult um, for nearly a decade. Uh, He and his family and had several kids, and he'll share a lot of the story. And um, his journey is really, really spectacular. Um, he started off as a Christian, someone who participated in the Christian faith, got eventually, gradually uh, into this cult with his family, had like an escape like you see in the movies. And uh, we get into a lot of great conversation. I know your your jaw is probably going to drop, so pick it up off the floor when it does, because that's not good. Things might get in there. And um, But... Take it in and listen with an open mind because there are so many people that turn their backs on friends, family members, coworkers, faith, God, religion, um, politics, people as a result of their experiences. And Walter is one of those guys who, despite his experiences, he still holds true to his core convictions. And I think it's something that we all um, can learn from. So, ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy Walter Diamond. First the barricade, now the table. You know, you're my favorite type of diamond. Rough along the edges. <laughs> my favorite diamond is a Walter Diamond. That's, that's did you know that? Cool. That's pretty not. cool. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, that's an iconic last name. 
Okay, now I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. Did you tell Ashley how bad I felt? What, when you didn't recognize her when it, she saw you? Yes. <laughs> no, I didn't. You know, she uh-huh. dresses casual, uh-huh. you know, with the w- workout outfit. So, and, they ha- and she had a hat on too. So I still so, feel bad. So you did it. So it's like you didn't recognize her because of that. No, she's standing right in front of uh-huh. me. And, and, um, and she's talking to Charlie because they went to school together. Uh-huh. And I'm going, wait a second. So, you know, I still, I'm waiting to see her and say, I'm sorry. I did. <laughs> she forgives you. Apologize profusely when she was there too. Really? Yes. I did. Oh gosh. That's funny. All right. Um, Man, I want to talk about a lot of things, I think, mm-hmm. today in our conversation, but I think like your your spiritual journey, your religious journey in particular, is probably um, one of the most fascinating stories I think I've ever experienced, because um, especially when you talk about, I mean, you, you see people that are involved in cults and things like this on TV, or you read it in books, but to actually talk to somebody who's been through that journey and experience and Mm -hmm. for me to like hear certain things and like oh i've seen that close to home you know or i've seen i've seen that in some of my interactions like little nuances that have a tendency to show up and i think that a lot of this conversation can be helpful for a lot of people because um when it comes to religion in particular I think there's a there's a, a large part of it that's really good. People respect the men of the cloth, so to speak. People who represent God on their behalf, pastors, um, teachers, preachers. Um, at the same time, I see through your journey specifically just how human a lot of those those people are, mm-hmm. and I feel like sometimes it's easy for people to be manipulated, um, un, even unknowingly, sometimes by status and by well, I think status power is probably one of them. You see that in, in different um, sects of different religions, I think, today, you know, and um, and it's prevalent in, in every religion, I, I think. But you see that even in the Catholic Church and some of the scandals that, that come out there. Um, and really what it comes down to is it's not that the whole religion is bad. It's that, that there's people that represent on behalf of God that uh, just like in any, in any industry, I was talking with. Uh, one guy I was doing a podcast with one time, and he was talking about how, um, I think it was Richard Roberts, and he was talking about how, I mean, there's bad doctors and bad lawyers and bad, I mean, in whatever field or industry, there's people that misrepresent the vocation. And um, your journey has been unique because it seems like your um, experience um, shows shows a lot of that. So you found yourself in, um, lack of a better term, in, in a cult, correct? Absolutely. Um, but that journey uh, took more of a slow process. It's probably easier to to really start from the beginning. But let me reiterate your point in that yeah. uh, having seen a lot of different, um, uh, what would you say, um, movements come uh-huh. and go in not just Christianity, but but in other um, religions too, you know what I mean, in, in what... Uh, I think I I came to Christ when I was 19 years old. Mm-hmm. Actually, March of 1979 would be or 1978. Mm-hmm. Would be actually 1977. Mm-hmm. I was married in 1978, um, and that was coming out of a an unusual background in that my father was uh, Jewish, and so I went to the synagogue with him. And but my mother was Baptist. So when my father and my mother were divorced when I was young. Um, I drifted away from the synagogue uh, and 
you know, tried to go to Baptist churches and stuff like that. Pastors would, you know, single mother. So they, hey, come to our church. And I did accept Christ when I was 11 years old in a Baptist church. Hmm. Um, good old hellfire and brimstone. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it has a place and right. I ran down the aisle, you know what I mean? Because you didn't want to go to hell. Because I didn't want to go to hell. Yeah. And I think that I can remember as young as three and four years old, always thinking about God and and praying that to young? God. Yeah, I can remember back Wow. Four years old, for sure. Wow. We moved to Anaheim from Georgia, which is where I was born. And I just remember praying at night, you know. So, um, you know, I always thought, you know, there's a God out there. And so when I was 11, I went down and then I completely forgot about what I was doing and didn't have any backup, didn't have any um, follow up, didn't have a family that was saved. Mm -hmm. And so I went away into... Uh, a drug culture, which is prevalent in the 70s and yeah. 60s, uh, all the way through my teenage years from 11. Drug culture, was it like the hippie movement or like? Um, you know, really the hippie movement's more my brother's age. Okay. He, he's 10 years old. So what was the drug culture? What was it just like a? It seemed like it's more prevalent that you were out if you got didn't get high than you are okay. in if you did. Yeah. And that was more of the, like the wild child of the 70s okay. type thing. Yeah. And I was introduced to it at an earlier age because my brother was older than I was. So, he, you know, it kind of came that way in the beginning. I think the first time I got high, I believe I was 11. Wow. Yeah. That's so, pretty young. You know, but um, through many years of multiple uses, uh, when I say drug use, like I have, you and I have talked before, yeah. um, um, every type of drug that you could imagine, mm -hmm. um, dealing it, um, being addicted to it, uh, being high every day for six year period from 13 to 19. Yeah. And uh, all the while, I mean, I'm, I'm like, you know, you never know who you're talking to, you know, when you're, you know, you don't know what somebody's going through. Right. We all put up walls and we, we don't, you know, we're not honest or we're taught to, you know, um, not reveal who we really are. And so I'm going through school and all you're really doing with drugs is, is you're trying to self-medicate yourself. Right. And, uh, and mask whatever pain you're going through or whatever's bothering you. But that was a movement in the seventies of, of more of, um, Hey, everybody's doing it. Let's do it. Right. But I think there was a reason why I, I didn't, you know, why I succumbed to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? There was something else there. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm always seeking, I was always searching, but I got waylaid and through that, um, you get so addicted to drugs, you know, uh, you're high every day, you're doing cocaine, you're doing LSD, you're doing marijuana, you're doing heroin, you're doing mescaline, you're doing pain, mm. everything. Yeah. I did it all. Uh, and not once or twice. Yeah. And so, um, I felt like my life was spinning out of control. Um, what I, age at that point were you when you feel like that? Uh, probably 18, 19. Okay. I was going to school. I was supposed to go to college. I went to college. Um, I was all the time, you know, maintaining a facade of good grades and playing in sports mm -hmm. and things like that. And, and, you know, my parents saw some of my drug use, but, you know, they didn't see the real, you know. So you were able to it. maintain the grades and the whole thing while yeah. on those. Wow. Yeah. I, I burned a lot of brain cells. <laughs> <laughs> but the good news is God can restore it. And so um, at 19... Um, my best friend's mother, who I was really close to, um, she got saved. She wanted to commit suicide, and uh, God visited her, and she got a real salvation. And it was like a little 
burst in that period between her, me seeing the change in her, my friend, and you know a few other people. And by real salvation, you mean it actually led to change in her life? Yes, absolutely. She had a, a real bad anger problem, uh -huh. uh, temper problem, uh, drug problem. You know, a lot of different things. And so um, I saw that change, and then they invited me to a Bible study. I went to a Bible study. It was just a, a home Bible study, hmm. and a guy talked about the love of God and, you know, the real love of God, yeah. and it just hit me like a bricks, and, you know, we said the sinner's prayer, and the minute I said the prayer, I remembered, oh, this is what I did when I was 11. Hmm. You know what I mean? I remembered. Mm -hmm. I don't really know if there was ever anybody, you know, specifically praying for me, but I, I always thought... It had to have been somebody, yeah. you know, because there's nobody saved in my family. Hmm. There's nobody saved in my wife's family. And so, um, you know, I don't remember anybody, you know what I mean? But that doesn't mean there wasn't somebody. Mm -hmm. And so from there, um, because I lived in that drug culture in a small town, yeah. being known as a, a, a drug dealer, yeah. um, it would have been difficult to um, to not fall back into temptation. I moved into what was a movement in the 70s called um, Christian Houses, which was born out of Calvary Chapel. What was that? Um, it's a house that's set up with a deacon or an elder through the church, and then people that need help or assistance that are homeless or down in their luck, down in their life or drugs or whatever it is, they, they can come live in there. They have a work program. They have Bible study program. Mm -hmm. They go to church. You know, and it's sanctioned through the church. And that was Chuck Smith, Calvary Chapel. And that was kind of a movement back then, too, in the 70s where, yeah. you know, hey, let's everybody come on in. Let the hippies come in. Yeah. You know, walk in in your shorts and sandals and let's get saved. Let's get out of that stuffiness. Right. Come as you are kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's where I went to. And and it just really spoke to me. And I wanted to to get closer to God. So I moved in there. And so I spent a solid year in that atmosphere of Bible study at least every other day, church on Sunday regularly, working with nothing but Christians, and but still being out in the world. Yeah. And uh, they had a cassette tape library where I would just every day, you know, go through the entire Bible from mm. Genesis to to Revelation. Wow. And um, so you just get immersed in it. Yeah. And I think that's that's what really made the difference for me, mm -hmm. is because I could see running into people occasionally here and there, but you didn't really have a chance to fall back. Yeah. You were supported. Right. And so after, that's where I met my wife. That's where we got, you know, we got engaged. Through that group? The, yes. The home groups? Or... Yes. She had actually been there for three and a half years. She wow. was in charge of all the girls, and then there was a separate how house big of an or, How big of a thing was this? Like how... That was just a local thing where we grew up in Palm Springs. It was only okay. about... Um, probably 30, 40 people, okay. but they had year over year over year people coming in and out. Revolving door was, of that amount. It was big in, in Orange County. My wife actually had been to one up in Orange County where mm -hmm. she got saved in a similar fashion, but different, you know, yeah. not the drugs, just, you know, different. Right. And um, then they brought her down to this house because they were connected and they thought that it would uh, be a better fit for her. And so that's where we met. And after about six months, we got engaged, and then six months later, we got married. Wow. And then we moved out of the house and, and moved forward. So that was uh, actually the 15th was our 41st wedding anniversary. So I've been saved again 42 years. And so that's where it, it, there's a foundation there. Yeah. The, and we went to local churches for, you know, always. 
And what we realized going from moving from one church to another or, you know, um, there's anointing on a pastor. If they're called, there's an anointing. Mm-hmm. Okay? And what do you mean by anointing? It's the double portion. Mm-hmm. It's what God gives them. Something you feel? Yes, okay. absolutely. You can feel when somebody has the anointing of preaching. You can feel when somebody has the anointing of pastoring. Okay. okay? You can feel the Spirit. So you naturally are born, you know, if you're in the Spirit, if you're a Christian, you, you feel that anointing. So that's why people can easily be... Um, um, influenced mm-hmm. all right because it even talks about it in the bible about yeah. the very elect being deceived and things like that right and what we realized after you know going from church you know here there moving you know jesus is the same mm-hmm. he he's that doesn't change right we're all human and that's what you talk about about the foundation right so the 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 crux of your faith the foundation has always been stable for you correct but there still is that ability because you know i wanted to please god to slowly and deceptively be deceived mm-hmm. which is really what happens and i just go back to basics and and talk about it um the person that that we got involved with in a in a cult um we met uh, actually before we were married hmm. uh, in the christian house he was uh, a traveling pastor evangelist had been in church all his life had sang gospel music yeah um, had uh, gets invited to different churches to preach and, yeah. and what have you. Very knowledgeable in the Word of God. Um, very, you know, seeming to be you know a real solid yeah. you know, Christian, charismatic, moving, very, inspirational. Absolutely. Um, you know, full function of the gifts of yeah. the Holy Spirit. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom, those types of things. Was yeah. that some of the stuff that baited you in? No, because we were already used to that. That mm-hmm. we were, we grew up in that in 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 the the, the atmosphere that we were in already. Okay, you know, I've always believed in a in a full gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean that you know you go somewhere else and maybe that's not as prevalent. But they're speaking about the word of God. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's it's a teaching church or mm-hmm. whatever that is. You know what I mean? I'm just open to everything that God has. Right. I always have been. And so my wife as well. And so we were kind of like mine. She was friends with him for about three years before I met him because she had already been in that house for three years. So I was introduced to him. It was kind of interesting because we were born on the same birthday too. Like you and the guy? Yeah. So there was a connection that way. And we continued to be friends after we were married and he would go and travel and, and do his church work and Sometimes we'd visit, you know, he'd lived out of town um, in Orange County, and that's kind of how we met, and that's how it started. Mm-hmm. My wife and I, um, you know, we started, you know, work, our life, and everything like that, and so we kind of stayed in touch with him from time to time, but that changed. Um, we were at a real low point in our life mm-hmm. in 1990, 89, 90, 91. Mm-hmm. There was a downturn in the economy. We were doing well financially. Um you know, like, like, uh, anybody struggling, you know what I mean? Um, not backsliding, but struggling. And so he came in and, um, he says the Lord sent him, you know, he felt like he could help us. And so he began to, uh, visit us more often and, and try to help us, you know, get on the right path. Did he know at the time you were struggling? Yes, he did. You had reached out to him? Well, no, actually my wife had, had, um, saw him in the mall. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, it's just, like I said, you know, 
we don't know when he comes in town when he didn't and she had saw him again and she you know told right. him hey we're you know really having our time can you pray for us so he wanted to to visit and so that's kind of how it all started up hmm. really in that sense where did it go from there just a progression of a three-year period of just continual more and more getting more and more involved and it's always that slippery slope right i mean it always yeah. starts as because i would imagine for you there had to be stuff in the beginning that was meeting some sort of a need in you otherwise you would have said no thanks we're good right i mean so absolutely what what, what was that what was um was it prayer was it the was it you know prophecy was it how, what made you think that this guy needs to be in our life it was all of it hmm. it was all of it it was uh, counseling uh, what you would call maybe discipleship you know to assist you to get you know going again get your you know get everything you know going in the right path um, I guess at the time we didn't feel maybe we were getting that met in the church that we were attending uh -huh. um, and that's where you go back to that thing you know where it's Jesus who's in control mm -hmm. you know people are gonna you know may fail you but God is still God, he's still on the throne. He doesn't fail you. You know, if you falter or you have a problem, it's because there's something going on in your life or it's a test or whatever it is. Yeah. God doesn't fail you. Mm -hmm. You see, there's a lot of people, though, that find themselves in the position that you are that have spiritual, you know, uh, counselors, guide people who are guiding them through those things. And it doesn't always go bad for you. When did it start? When did it start going south? Well, it was a, like I said, a three year period. Um, from like 1991, uh, where we just said, "Okay, you're our pastor." You're so he became your your yeah, pastor. Exactly. We answer to you. Okay. Did he ask for that? Um, he suggested it, but he he played it in such a fashion where you wanted to ask for it. Mm -hmm. Like know? what? Um, well, if, you know, we keep continue to working together. We'll keep you on the right path. You can see what happens. You know. You know, when I give you advice or when I give you counsel and good things happen. He had done that. Yeah. Like what were some examples? Well, like, um, like I got a better job. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, As a result of his guidance? Correct. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we, we seem to um, be making better financial decisions and my... Um, we were not, um, you know how finances can sometimes yeah. cause stress in marriages. Oh, yeah. So less stress in the marriage, mm -hmm. you know, you know what I mean? That's a big one. Finances has always been a big one. And so... So you felt like your life was getting better because this guy was in it. Correct. Really? And there was nothing at that point in time that you could say, no red flag. Mm -hmm. None. Um, he would come to town and visit us, take us out to dinner. You know, he was encouraging me how to pay my my debts off, you know, cause we had incurred some of them. Yeah. We had some, uh, financial debts from one of my sons being, you know, had a medical problem. And so there was all those things. And again, not having anybody in our family to fall back on and not really being, I guess at that time close to anybody in the church, mm -hmm. you know, enough, you know, to where it, it, it made a difference. Right. And so we, we got to that point where we didn't trust the scripture that says there's safety in a multitude of counselors, mm -hmm. not just one. Right. You know, so that's probably really the first red flag. That's because he was the only one that had access to your family or to 
I mean, we would go to churches, visit him when he preached. We, he didn't discourage us from going to church. We still went to church, you know, that type of a thing. And then I think, you know, um, it was just that subtle period of about three years where really there's no red flags. And then other flags started to come up. And know? those started to look like what? So he started, he asked you to be, or basically suggested that he would become your pastor. You tell him. Correct. You, you are the man of God in our life. Right. And then where did things go from there? Yeah, you could justify everything by scripture, which he did. Um, his life seemed to be exemplary as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, just a lot of different things. We knew him for a long time as a friend. Um, there didn't seem to be any extra curricular demands at that point. That's why we morphed into that, that period. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, subtly he introduced something and we justify it by scripture and you wouldn't question it. What was the first thing that he introduced that seemed kind of like now that you look back, I mean, hindsight is 2020 when you look back and think, uh, there was the first red flag. Besides alienating us from our families. Okay. And what did that look like? How did, how did it was real subtle? I mean, we were already, not really close in a sense that, yeah, they're still our brothers and sisters or mother and father and what have you, but um, not from a spiritual standpoint. So slowly, you know, not visit them as much. What he, what did he tell you? He just, um, you know, like suggestions to where, you know, maybe that's not a good idea. You know, maybe you need to get stronger in the Lord or maybe right now, if you don't visit them, maybe they'll come to the Lord, you know what I mean? Sooner. You know, that type of a thing. Were they always, were all the suggestions always in suggestion form or were they like commands? Like, mm-hmm. like, hey, you need to do this. Or was it like, hey, maybe if you. In the beginning it was. After probably about a three-year period, it was more of, I'm, do you submit to this? And, I, and we did. Mm-hmm. And so then it was a command. Mm-hmm. You do this, you do that. It was where it was a command of, you know, after three or four years, it was command of everything. You know, what? we didn't do anything. We didn't buy a car. We didn't, you know pay a bill, spend money, you know, in terms of, I mean, yeah, we paid our bills, but any type of a decision-making process, you know, was consult with him. And you don't, was it so gradually you almost don't even remember when that, how it got there? Yes. So you, cause, cause you go from this guy being a spiritual advisor, counselor in your life to where he's controlling the right. decisions that you make, how you spend your money. Correct. And is that's it- the biggest red flag is, is that alienation. And mm-hmm. then don't go around these people. Don't talk to them about the decisions that we make because you don't want somebody to disagree with what I say. Hmm. You know what I mean? So that's really the first red flag. And all the while, you're still functioning in a full-time job. You have how many kids at the time? In the beginning, it was um, when he came back and, and got involved in our life, we had uh, two. And then the third one came. And then after that, it was... Um, you know, they, that was where it started. We only mm-hmm. had three. What were some of the financial decisions that he would control? Well, I mean, all the ties went to him. So so he was getting financial, he was benefiting Correct. financially from this. All the ties went to him directly. And had he just told you that that was how it needed to happen? Yep. He says, I'm I'm the person in your life that's feeding you, that's, that's giving you spiritual guidance, that's pastoring you. So based on this scripture, this is what you should do. Mm-hmm. And so he'd had a bank account. I'd... You know, you just go to that bank and you make that deposit when you get paid, boom, pay your tithe. You don't do anything else, you pay the tithe first. Mm. And then um, eventually later on, it was introduced as a love offering. 
you know, which he's again pointed out in the scriptures. So he wouldn't say what the amount is, you know what I mean? But he'd say you should give a little bit above and beyond. When you look back on this now, is it is it hard for you to talk about? It is. Is there a part of you that is like, how did I not, how did I let, let that happen or how did I not see it? I think I went through all of that a long time ago. You're past um, that part. Yeah. I'm but you, I would imagine you go through that, right? Um, like, because I mean, to hear the story, and to me, this is what's fascinating because one, you're not the only one that has gone through this or is going through this. I mean, there's right. people that, and I, and I feel like it's always the sleight of hand, it's always the gradual, it's always the, the isolation that leads you to, mm-hmm. um, you know, a place where you're you're not sober in your judgment or your decision making. Mm-hmm. Um, to look back on it now, I mean, I would imagine there's part of you like, oh yeah, obviously, if you were to tell somebody else, you'd be like, dude, this guy is. Well, that's why when I when I met you, I told you that I really had never. I remember sharing it to a pastor once. Um, at a church that we were attending and it was like, mm. and then nothing afterwards. Like, cause he didn't know how to, ha- how to respond. No, cause not many people do. Yeah. Um, how do you handle that? You know what I mean? If you, I mean, and I, I understood that, you know what I mean? I've always understood that. Um, and when you and I talked, yeah, that was probably only the second time. Wow. Yeah. That you'd really got that you really gotten into yes absolutely because you you people have no idea yeah they they don't uh, they it's hard for them to understand mm-hmm. you know what i mean and i understand that but you know so you kept all that bottled up it's like do you go to um, we thought about counseling and there's no counselor that could un that they don't know how to deal with that mm. it's like in the beginning churches didn't really know how to deal with addiction yeah and then that program just eventually got better and it morphed and, and the churches know how to handle that a lot better than they did, say, 20, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with this. This is still, it's still prevalent. It still happens all the time. Yeah. It happens in mainline Christianity. Oh, yeah. It happens in, um, you know, Mormonism. It happens in Catholicism. It happens in any, you know, mm-hmm. people want to see God. So it, it's easy to be misled um, because your intentions are sincere. Yeah. And that's really where it's rooted, right? I mean, you're, you're being taken advantage of in your quest to, you know, to find more. And sometimes people are, are vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You know, we were in a vulnerable state. Because of your need? Because of our need and because we were um, not really close to anybody. Mm. You know what I mean? And we had gone through a lot with my son being ill and so we just didn't find that bond in church like we did in the beginning when we were first saved. Mm-hmm. And so you got we got hit right at the right time. What was the guy's name that was the 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 Waco Texas cult? What was his name? Um, look at look it up for me. Do you remember that whole thing? Absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, you look at these guys that we we see the horror stories on on TV, right? These guys that claim to be the coming Messiah, the whatever, the mm-hmm. I mean, people and and what's crazy to me about it, really, I see it's it's like a it's like a it is a, a like a leadership gift that is used in a wrong way. You look at some of the greatest evil leaders of all time, the Hitlers, that 
it's always so baffling to me to think that you led thousands upon thousands of people to evil. Mm-hmm. This is the guy, David Koresh. Yeah. Um, and he, I mean, he was an example of that to be able to lead people into this place where these people are, hum- are human, just like you and I, they didn't start out on that track. Obviously it was the little bit by the little bit by the little bit, which is what you're talking about. That slippery slope. Nobody ever wakes up and, and, uh, and says, yeah, this is where I wanted to be. Yeah, let's go join a cult. Let's go join a cult. You know what I mean? And I think that that's the, the tricky thing is because most of the times, most people don't even know that they were in a cult until the it, t- everything, the bad stuff hits the fan. You know what I mean? Like, that's when you know when, oh, crap, we're on TV and everybody's showing us that, that we're a part of a cult or... Um, man, we're being controlled, you know, some bad things are happening. I know we'll get to that moment that happened for, for, for you. What would you say to people that are some of the telltale signs that you're, you could be on that slippery slope? Um, isolation starts there. It starts there. Um, and, and always remember there's, there's safety in the multitude of the counselors. You know, you always want to discuss it with people that are, even if it's just a, a fellow Christian, mm-hmm. you know, somebody else to bounce things off of. I mean, always you'd say, you know, you should talk to a pastor about that, but you know, you have to listen to your heart. You know, what does your heart say? You know, and I think my heart was struggling three years into it. Mm. You know, probably not as much as my wife was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I probably more so than my wife was. Um, but that's just because we were in different planes, you know what I'm saying? And, what, and by struggling, you mean you, you, there's some sort of an internal conflict, but at the same time, there's a part of you that what is telling you, no, this has to be, yes, this has to be okay. Well, here's the, the biggest thing that, that I would put out there, um, is the fear factor. You mm-hmm. have to remember that. That's what causes these people to kill themselves. That's what causes these people to, to do despicable things fear of the fear of what they put in you and what they instill in you. The majority of it is, is that you're, you're going to be in trouble with God. Mm. See? And so we had already had that fear instilled in us. So slowly, subtly and, um, powerfully through scripture, uh, manipulating. So if you don't, if you don't do this, God's going to be upset with you. And here in the Bible, it's here it says it. You see it right here, right? Correct. So that's what you're. That's what we're talking about. Exactly. Which would override those little red flags that you're feeling, right? And because you're a human, and your emotions could be fickle, and the right. the word of God is sovereign, right. and, and obviously this man of God. Yeah. And that's how you can go all the way another ten years. Gosh. <laughs> and it makes sense though, because it's so tricky, especially if, if you've ever, and if you've never been in it, it's hard, um, I think to understand it, but I see that. And I, I see that in different, like you referred to them as movements. I mean, I know there was things as like the shepherding movement and discipleship, know, discipleship and all of the, what's crazy is at the root of those things, they seem to start from good, authentic, genuine places. Like, Absolutely. you know what I mean? Like it's not about control. But it's weird how human ego almost and and desire for for control and I think personal insecurity and all these things it begins to pollute the stream. And sometimes I wonder if even even the guys who end up these cult leaders 
if when they started, they they started with malintent. You know, it seems like a lot of times it's it's a drift, some do it's a, it, yeah like a David Koresh maybe right. That's well, if there, there's mental instability there, there's like you know what I mean. Like you're there's like, mental illness involved. From my experience, I believe that um, there was sincerity in the start, but I believe there was. Um, underlying problems from his upbringing that uh-huh. weren't dealt with yeah that eventually just you know hit a, a precipice yeah and it made him snap yeah and it made him go off because he was isolated what do you mean by that things in his upbringing um he was raised in uh, the 50s mm-hmm. and and you know the 60s as a gospel singer in a, a family that um were gospel singers uh, there's a lot of that um I think he was taken advantage of as a youth and, you know, he put records out and I think that, um, taken advantage of, I think there was money stolen. I think he was mistreated by relatives. I think there was underlying things. Abuse. I believe so. Yeah. And a lot of times that stuff programs people's psychology and you don't really realize that a lot of the thing that you're dealing with is not just, uh, not just a person who is evil, but a person who has been programmed by their journey to be so, you know, um, because you see it. And, and it seems like, though, because, you know, you talk about Scripture and we talk about, I mean, you, you think about Galatians 4.2, like um, like how God will put you under guardians and stewards, how we are supposed to have influences in our life. And the whole, you know, I mean, you look at Jesus with his disciples, there is an element of spiritual counsel and leadership and guidance that is very scriptural. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same, it's the same principle that you see coach and pl- coaches and players, the players become better because they have good coaches. It seems like the ingredient that takes it all and manipulates it very slowly off track from what I hear you saying is isolation, which then obviously leads to control, right? I mean, so when you have a leader, when you have a mentor, when you have a spiritual father, when you have a spiritual guide, uh, somebody who guides or pastors that becomes so ego driven that I am the only one that can speak to you. And I am the one that you should listen to. And if you don't listen to me, you're not submitted unto God. That's when things go south. Absolutely. The most secure leaders are ones who actually care about the people that they're coaching to know that I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not the one that's just to be in control of you. I'm trying to help to coach you. Follow me as I follow Christ, right? As Correct. it says in, in the scripture that, um, that I, w- I want to coach, but to control, to me, those are the, the red flags. Absolutely. When, and, I mean, there's other ones, but I mean, in my instance, um, I mean, you look at like as a far off example, David Koresh and, you know, Jonestown and, and all those types of things, um, there was still that subtle beginning. And then that person just becomes immersed in, in control. And there's always the red flags. Um, I think in our instance, uh, I mean, I, I won't, um, what would you say, uh, lag it down here with all the details, but we got way out of it. Well, I think the whack. details are important because I think that it helps people yeah. navigate their details. Sexual um, improprieties. Um, let's talk about those. What are, we, what are, we, what are you talking abuse, about? Physical um, abuse. I mean, it got way deep way into it. And what was the, what was the start? Like, what are some, what were some of the examples? You talked about the money, right? Like you, you pay your tithe to me, you give me love offerings, you don't make financial decisions, you don't buy cars, you don't do things without, where did the control go from there? What were the, what were other instances? 
you know, it's like you look at examples where um, in like, you know, they say, okay, it's okay for me to take more wives. Mm -hmm. That's not what I'm talking about. What Mm -hmm. I'm talking about is, is um, trying to think how to word it. (laughs) Well, this, you can word it however you want to word it. I mean, this is just however you want to say it, say it. I think that, you know, we, we understand and can. So I would say the majority of it for probably um, 10 years was we're going to pretend to do these acts. Mm-hmm. Pretend. Okay. So he would say to you, we're going to pretend to do acts, sexual acts? Correct. Okay. And um, you may not be the only person involved. You know what I mean? But if we just pretend, which is what we did. Right. That's all it was. Um but from somebody looking outside in, it wouldn't look like it was pretending. Right. But it was. So he, when he would approach, I mean, that's that's a pretty, you know, strong, bold conversation to say, "Hey, Walter, we're going to pretend to do some sexual stuff." How did what did that conversation? What did that conversation? That, so we're that already locked in like? for three, four years. Uh huh. Because you're in deep at this point. You're deep. anything he says, it's like, yeah, you're it's the man of God. Straight from God. Right. And so he's the prophet. Because that's what he said he was. Mm-hmm. Okay, not beyond evangelist into prophetic. Okay, and so he would use the examples of the Old Testament, mm-hmm. which is obviously near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he would justify it in that fashion that if we do these things, okay, and we pretend to do them, and um, then that's how those people who are who are um, misguided and corrupt and and not saved mm-hmm. that do those things, mm-hmm. that's how they'll get saved. Because God will take what you do as an act, as of, a prophetic gesture, correct, uh, and then He will, through what you do, they will get healed. How did that? Com- but how did that conversation start? Like, how do you open that book? How do, how does how does He open that dialogue? Like, I'm thinking, even if we're in deep, I mean, are we just out to dinner? Am I? Are we no. Are we having with, coffee? Is it? Is it's it, with the men personally. Okay, so not with the wives. Okay, so this is just with the men, and this would be one on one on one with you. Correct. Is it? Hey Walter, can I talk to you for a second? And then, I mean, how, what did what not the, really? Because he didn't have to ask permission anymore to talk to me. So it was like, we up, and if you don't run, you're in trouble. And this is on on the phone or on the phone, and then eventually in person, flying to was, different places. So was it though? Um, I got a word from God, or is it? I yes. have this idea. I have a word from God. I have a word from God, and God wants us to. Uh, act like we're doing sexual things. Correct. What was what was the purpose? What type of what was the people so that, that were doing that type of people like um who are let's say bound by that sin, mm-hmm. okay? What sin was healed. what sin was he up against? What? It was always homosexuality. Okay. So he had an issue with homosexuality Correct. per his perception of scripture right. and was saying that if we fake homosexual sexual acts correct that the people that are homosexual would no longer be homosexual they would be be able to be healed god would do a healing movement when you heard that you're three years in Mm -hmm. what is your emotional response mental response to that information it's like well okay that's that's pretty um if that's if that could happen that's pretty great hmm you know what I'm saying? Because you're so far in, you you're not even in the, you're not you're past the point of saying that sounds ridiculous. Correct. Right. It's 
but in the middle of it, you still have that that fluttering going on. So you do have that. There is an emotional distress. But, but you, you, you know, you, you ignore it. You ignore it That's for the good. for the greater good, for the cause of God, to make God right. happy. And there was times when he would say, "If you don't do this, this is what's going to happen. If you do do this, this is what's going to happen." What like what? What would be some of those instances? If you don't do this, you know that possibly there could be ramifications on you and your family. Like you know, you know bad things that could happen. He wouldn't give. He wouldn't be specific. Bad things could happen to your family. He might have been specific. Uh, but I can't remember. Were they threats or were they more like spirit? Would it be spiritual destruction from God? Spiritual destruction so, from God. Okay. So if you don't do this, you know, you're going to got, you're going to open up a door. Yeah. So that's all the fear. Yeah. That's the fear of, of that's what keeps you in. That's what keeps you ignoring the, the butterflies that something is wrong. And what's interesting yeah. though, cause you, you said that the foundation of your spiritual journey was this awakening to the love of God, right? Correct. Yet at the same time, you're you're afraid of this. At this point, you're afraid of this God. You're wanting to please Him. Correct. And the, this guy is saying, um, if you don't do these things, God's going to be angry with you. Well, his whole doctrine, you know, if you follow through all the Old Testament, you know, and some of the New Testament, you see where God deals with people. Mm-hmm. So all he was pointing out was the, those okay. types old of covenant instances. type destruction and old to- yeah. covenant type destruction. Okay, exactly. So when he so when he calls and he says we need to do these things and he would he would so obviously he was 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 he homosexual? We never knew. Yeah, but obviously there was some sort of. Do you think that there was some sort of gratification in it for him? I think when I thought back after it afterwards, I I thought so. Yes. And he would justify it through spiritual means. Correct. So he would. Did, he, did, he pretended very well. Uh huh. Did the wives know? They never knew. They had an inkling of. They were told, um, he told, we were told to keep it a secret and that that was God. And he would say... Which there's another red flag, right? Secrets? Exactly. And so he would say, this is just between you and God. And this is what the Lord wants you to do. And he doesn't want you to tell your wife. And so when we would go away, you know, to other places, he would say, God has a a mission for him to do. Mm -hmm. And it's really important in the kingdom of God so pray for him while we're gone. We'll be back in such such time. That's and that's it. all. That's all your the information. And your they wife were got. taught not to question. How many families were involved in this? Um, probably five or six. And probably he, at, at the height of it, probably about thirty-five people. Thirty-five people all across the country. Wow. You would just travel around in circles. And you guys and all knew each other. Did you know each other? Like, were you connected? We would get together. From time to time, maybe once a year, something like that. And you guys were all still so, I mean, just the the cloth, the cloth just pulled over your eyes, that wool pulled over your eyes, that you didn't... He didn't allow us to discuss things with each other in, an, um, in a way that we would cause, you know, questioning. And he, that's a lot of... That's a lot of... That's conf- a lot of juggling, man. Yeah, and that's a lot of confidence in your ability to control, to think he that... He did it. He did it for 15 years. Wow. To think that you're not going to get on the phone and be like, hey, Dave, this this is something. He had a high IQ. He did. And he he had the ability to to cover it all. When you would do the the one on one trips, um, would was it only was it one on one or would there be other would the other guys meet you there? Um, half one on one and then um a lot of instances where some of the other guys would meet. And was as a I mean you're a grown. We'd fly to Kansas City and really we'd fly to San Francisco, we'd fly to 
you know, all over the place. As a grown man, being there with other grown men, does the, did the fluttering ever, ever leave? Did the uneasiness ever, like when you're, I mean, hey, we're going to go here and we're going to fake out sexual acts. With I just want to get it over with. So, and but you we, had to immerse yourself in it to make it real. So he would say, if you don't make it not real, but if you don't um, believe that it's a good cause, if you don't, um, you know, do it, get uh, into it, get into it exactly, then it's not going to work. Mm. You know what I mean? So you would pretend. So what is that? What is this pretending? Just pretend there's, I mean, you know, you're, you're acting like you're, you know, with another person, you know, the usually just most of the time it's just petting. That's it. Okay. Not, never anymore. So, okay. But is it, is it public? Is it, no, you go to you're a hotel? in hotel rooms or you walk to known sites where people have this problem, um, hang out and you do what? Like a park in San Francisco. Okay, so but you're doing you're doing what you in the pretend. park? You'd walk down. Uh, you'd dress provocatively. Wait, so you would dress provocatively? Mm -hmm. What is what does that mean? Like a male or a female? No, like a male. So you but you would, what is a how does a male dress provocatively as far as his direction? <laughs> you know what I mean? As far as what is, when he says, "Hey, you got to dress provocatively." What are we talking? Booty shorts. N booty shorts. Okay. Uh, similar like that. You know, you'd buy an outfit and that's what you'd wear. Whatever the culture of the people of that exactly. community was. Yeah. So he would do the same? No. No. Would he be with he you? Would, he would, but sometimes he'd hide in the, in the, you know, hide and tell you what to do and walk with wow, you. Other man. times he'd walk with you pretending to be your partner mm. to make other people jealous. Mm. You know what I mean? That was all the public stuff. Mm -hmm. The private stuff was, you know, a little bit slightly different, but pretty much the same. And are you so like locked in that when you're doing the public stuff, like you're just... Yeah, he locked this in. This is just it, man. I'm this role is, playing. And this is just it. Yeah, I'm doing something spend... great for God. Wow. Yeah. Because that was the only thing that kept you in it, right? The fear factor. The fear factor that it really hadn't, at that point for you, it had nothing to do with, it wasn't fear of him. It was fear of God. It was fear of if I don't do this thing with him. Absolutely. And he's justifying this through his... And if you disobeyed, then he would line your whole family up and tell you a curse is coming and get away from this man. What do you mean? That's, I mean, if you didn't do what he told you to do after a while, mm -hmm. you know, if you were disobedient in any way, fashion or form, he would line your whole family up and he would say, you're going to leave him and he's getting cast out. They would tell the wives this, the, ki the kids this. And they do it. You And you saw that happen? Oh, yeah. And then a couple of days ago by, he'd call you, you know, you know, and you'd get forgiven and go back in. So did that ever happen to you? Absolutely. You bet. So what would you get? What would you get kicked out for? Um, sometimes things that you didn't even do. Sometimes just um, maybe nothing that you did on purpose, or maybe nothing that you did in direct mm -hmm. um, disobedience. Yeah. Just you know, he began to sometimes think up things, and well, he must be right. You know, I must be wrong. You know. What would be, do you remember any of the instances? Yeah, there was one instance where he, he always kept, um, he would stay with us often. He would come and visit and stay, and then he would leave and go to visit the other people. And it was kind of like, you know, the prophet uh, Elijah, how mm -hmm. he talks about him going in circuit. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing, same principle. And so he would keep uh, 
clothes in a closet and was only designated for him because mm -hmm. he was the man of God. And if anybody touched, in your home closet, in a home closet, in a you know hall closet, nobody was to ever touch that closet or go in there. Mm -hmm. He would come back, and nobody was everybody's too scared to go in that closet. And he would come back, and he would say, "Somebody was in my closet. I can feel the spirit of it." And then we, you know, wow. have to, you know, somebody would have to confess. Eventually, even, if, even to, if you didn't do it, that's what you're saying. Yeah. Eventually, the kids just learned. We all learned. Somebody's got to confess, and then you move on. So that would be times you'd be alienated yeah. for your family for getting in his closet? Yeah. If it was me or if it was one of the kids, they didn't get alienated. But, I mean, that's just a type of an instance. Um, it's just amazing, you know, to remember all the details. They're all there in my mind still. Really? But um, I choose not to get weighed down because, um, you know, if I did, then I wouldn't want to go forward. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. And we... We got out. We got rescued. We right. got delivered. Yeah. I mean, it was um, like being in salvation. It was a miraculous delivery yeah. because we had to overcome the fear. Yeah. We had to take that chance to overcome that fear. And I had been wanting to get out for years, but too afraid. When did, when did you like start realizing like, okay, I mean, you said for years you wanted to get out. I still wanted to maintain m my position with God in good standing and eventually he kept throwing that carrot out. Well, eventually I'm leaving. I've taught you all you can learn, and I'm going to move on to other people. And you know, so that was almost, almost like he knew he dangled that you, the carrot. For but years. was it almost like he knew that you, that you were going to want out? So if he could give you this illusion that, that hey, this isn't going to last forever, correct? That you could endure. You know, that started in uh, 19. That type of instance of illusion started in 1996. And we didn't leave until 2004. Wow. Eight years. Wow. And the, all the while he's saying, hey, you know, this is, I'm going to be moving on. And finally. And, and you're thinking, nope. The whole time, what is your, is your wife on board with this whole thing? Is she? Well, it, that, that was the only way it would work. Yeah, we were both on board. We both made the same mistake. We both believed the same way. And you never, as a husband and wife, like, did, would you have conversations of like, hey, like, or were you both just too scared? Too scared to even talk about it with each yeah. other. Eventually, we we got into that thing where, because um, of some of the things that he preached about, mm -hmm. you know, where we believed that we, you know, thought birth control was not of God. And was that one of his principles? And what was his? What was his? What would he say? He just, you know, talks about old uh, testament scriptures about seed, mm -hmm. and so he said, "This is not of God." You know, but he didn't push us in the beginning. He kind of led us there, and then eventually, after uh, about four years, we said, oh, "Okay, that's what we're going to do." And then he goes, "Oh, I'm pleased." You know what I mean? It's like it's your decision. And then and that's part of the manipulation, though, right? We started popping them out every three years. That's how you got to seven. You have seven kids. Yeah. And as a result of, I mean, a lot in a lot of ways, because you weren't allowed to use birth control. Exactly. Did he ever cross? Was well, he ever... we didn't. We believed that. That's what God wanted us to do. do. Do you know if he was ever involved sexually with the other relationships, like with the other couples or with any of the couples? Did he ever... You know, there's ever... another couple that... Um, there still was... When we left, there was still three or four people left in it. We tried to contact them. We tried to contact their families to let them know what was really going on. We did. Um, I believe that was what God intended me to do um, in 2004, 2005. And I did so that they could understand that... Um, the magnitude of it and understand why mm -hmm. their loved one did what they did 
so that they, because they had no idea. Yeah. You know, and there's still a couple that we maintained communication with because we actually knew them from the Christian house ministry and they had seven kids also. Hmm. And um, they claimed, a couple of the girls cl claimed afterwards that there was instances. Mm -hmm. There never was with our kids. Yeah. Um, in that sense. Um, Sexually. Right. But I don't, you know. That's yeah, it's, hard they, to, it's hard to know. It's hard to know. How long did the, you know, the, tra the traveling, was, was it always on the topic of homosexuality or was it other stuff too? Always on the topic of homosexuality. That was the, yeah. his fixation. Yeah. How, how, how many trips are we talking? 2030. 2030. Yeah. Who funded these? Him? Me. You you would have to pay to go? Everything. Oh wow. Every time he visited me, I paid for his plane tickets to him. Even How did you in a non that? I mean I just had to work it out. Made good money. <laughs> you know. And that's the crazy thing. At some point you didn't really need him anymore, right? No. Um we did progress in, in, in the work world, you know. He would say that that was because of him. Um got to the point where we were getting large bonuses and which is prevalent in, in home building and we would turn over large portions of cash to him and things like that you know what I mean mm -hmm. um, but that was able to afford you know whatever we did you know and if I struggled I wouldn't tell him because then he would go out you know then he must be doing something wrong we just kind of we made it yeah know? every bit of it and then I would also because the other ones maybe didn't make the money that I made, and so I would pay for their tickets too. You know, if we were doing a group type of a thing, you know, that thing, it's amazing. It really it is. It is amazing. And even to think about, I mean, to think about some of those trips, and I think about, you know, you with other other guys that were being controlled by him. You ever remember moments, like, I mean, I see it in movies, like where you almost like you catch eyes and be like, what are we doing? I did have those moments. I had a moment um, in one instance, I mean, several instances where I just was uncomfortable, didn't want to do that anymore, you know, but, you know, I still was entrenched. But there was other instances where I thought, you know, wow, you know, where the physical abuse started, you know, smacking people. And um, smacking who? You know, smacking me. In the middle of the, on the, on the. Just, no, just sitting just there at general. the dinner table, get up, you know, and. Pow. Really? That's a good thing I got a good chin. <laughs> wow. With all his force. Yeah. That went on. That started. For what? Just, you know, he roll up in a temper, you know, and you did this. And so here's what you get. And that's of God. And uh, that started um, in 2000. That was the end of it. That, that was, that was the beginning of the end. That goes to show, I mean, you just never know what's going on next door. Exactly. You know what I mean? I no. mean, you're 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 a functioning person. Done. You're you're not you're isolated, but you're not isolated. Like you're yeah, isolated no in spiritually, and you're isolated when it comes to this control. But you're still going to work every day. Well, it's like the guy that you know goes out and kills fifteen people, and the neighbors say, "Yeah, no idea." Yeah. But then there's also those signs too that maybe some people did see. Um, what would be some of those signs? Well, um, you know, like um, I had one instance where he was he was smacking us, and my wife and I, and and uh, you know, um, he was screaming loud, and the neighbors, you know, called the cops. Mm. And he took something and he threw it and it smashed a hole in the wall in the drywall, and the cops came and they knocked on the door, and they go, "What's going on here?" 
you know? Oh, nothing. I'm preaching. I, I get a little loud. They look at the hole in the wall. They look at my wife and I's faces are red mm -hmm. from getting smacked. And they're going, uh-huh. You know what I mean? I'm going, wow. You know what I mean? What could, well, you could, did you want to be like, He's no, like, yes. no, everything's fine here. No problem. And you, that was your response. Yeah, absolutely. You because if not, you'd be in trouble with God. But the hitting, it should have been long before that, but the hitting was the beginning of the end. Hmm. It really was. Um, Is that when the light started to come on for you? It, it did. So, it, so even through all of the sexual stuff, through all of the control, through all the money, through all of the whatever, you could override that. That was just, okay, we just got to do this. Right. And the, 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 Carrot being dangled that it's not going to last forever was enough. But here, here's what he said. He says, a man of God would never do this. What? And then two years later, he's doing it. Oh, uh, okay. Like what? Like a man Hitting of God would a person. Okay. Okay. And so um, that started in 2003. We left a year and a half later. It took mm -hmm. us a year and a half. And that was no fun. 2003, physical abuse began. Yes. Absolutely. How many times were you hit? Every time he visited several times, you know, usually one or two times. And then the other guys would always be, he would make guys stay with us and we would support them. Single Who were guys, they? Part of the ministry, you know, and um, he would hit them. And one night he was chasing one of them with a knife in the garage. Was he, was he ever intoxicated, inebriated on anything? This is just pure rage from his own pure rage from psychological own. issues, I guess. Exactly. Wow. But it took, I tried, you know, I said, we got, we got to get out of this. But my wife was, you know, still afraid. And what I was the moment? That. What was the moment where you said? I mean, he's chasing that guy with the knife. That was when you said? Yeah, that's it. I got to go. But it took us six months to get there because what we wanted to do, because the fear was still in ground. And How old is your oldest kid during all this? Um, he, is, he was at the time, like, in his teens, 15. And what is he? I mean, it. I would imagine as a teenager, you start realizing, hey, not everybody's life's like this. Well, he was all in and, in it like we was were. Was he going to public school? No, we homeschooled. Okay. That was so the that was part, that was part around, of the, that was part isolation. isolation. Exactly. And that was a result of the, the leader. Correct. Too? Absolutely. Wow. Yep. And then when he told us finally after, eventually after 10 years or so, he says, you can start putting him back into public schools. That started in 2003. Okay, so it was right before, again, the end. Exactly. And then what we had to do was orchestrate a getaway to where we still felt we didn't want to get in trouble with God. Do you think that he ever felt guilt in the process? Do you see anything where he would do those things and he felt bad? He tried to compensate? I, or do you feel like I he think, was, was I think there? I think he did. Um, but he justified it and you really didn't see it. Do you think he was? Do you think that he was a psychopath, sociopath? Didn't I have, do believe he okay. was. You almost have to be, right, to be Absolutely. able to do those kinds of things and yes. live with yourself. Yes. There's a difference between a sociopath and a psychopath. Um, I'm not sure which category he falls into. I looked it up once before and figured it out and don't remember. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously not something I – mean, you're just getting a glimpse of the details. Yeah. Um, not something that you discuss with everybody because not everybody can handle that. We certainly yeah. couldn't tell our families. When we came out, we had no contact with them for eight years. So you when so when you escaped, and we'll talk about the escape. But at that point, you had had no contact with any family, none, none for eight years. That that started in uh, two thousand 
five when we moved away the lord told us to he said the lord told you to move to sacramento we moved away from palm springs when we moved away that was when the contact completely ended and um my brother looked for me um and it was just cold turkey cut him off cold turkey cut him no off. explanation no explanation our oldest daughter at the time was 16 when we when we decided to move to sacramento um she ran away so we were cut off from her for eight years too Okay, so you're in the middle. So how how deep into the cold is this when your daughter runs runs away? We had been in the cold for um, five years, and she you just wake up and she's gone. We were all getting ready to move. It was an exciting thing because we had wanted to move away from the desert for a long time, and we had anticipated the move and we had made plans for the move for several months, and and um, she decided, oh, I think I'm going to finish high school here, and I think I'm going to run away. So did we, she do, we was get it up, warning? No, we, we, my wife kind of felt something, but not enough. And um, we just got up the, the morning of we were leaving and she was gone. And you didn't want to even go look for your own daughter? We did. You wanted to? We did. We did. And we found her. And Wait, so you, she runs away. You, yeah. you found where she was at. Yeah. Um, a, another family, her girlfriend, the father, told us where she was. And um, we tried to get her to... To come back, he he brought her to our house, and she got out of the car and ran away. Again, that was it. Yeah. And at that point, you we had to leave. It was a timeline you based upon who on you, the guy. Yeah, you had to leave by this certain time, or you're in trouble with God. <laughs> so you left your daughter. Absolutely. Has that been a struggle for you? It's a different relationship. It it was in the beginning. But, did you um, have guilt in the moment, though? I mean, would you, would you, or I was did. it, or was it, a, was it this, still, was it still the conflict of I got to please God, though? Yes, but, but you, but there still was that your daughter, that horror of it. You know, it's like losing somebody. You know, it's not the same. It's not infinite, but it's still the same type of feeling. And there's no there from that. How much longer were you in the cold after? So it was six years in, and then how much longer were you in? Um, well, we stayed all together. Um, 13 years. So when we left it, we had been in for five to go to Sacramento. Okay. And that's not the only place where we moved. We moved all over the place. That's so you were cut off to, from your do oldest daughter, though, for how many years? Eight years. No communication? No communication. Would you think about her? Absolutely. But, you know, not to a point where, you know, we thought, well, that's the road she chose. This is. The so this was her decision. Correct. She chose to go away from Absolutely. the family. Yes. So, so you, have to keep, you, have to, you have to stay on the straight and narrow and do what's right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. No, she struggled, but what well, I would imagine, I imagine yeah. it would be tough for everybody when the lights turn on. Exactly. Right. And that's yeah. so that's when the lights are off. I, that's yeah. why I'm saying it. What was it like in the moment? And I, I hear it. I hear what you're saying. The lights were off. You justified it. Right. It was her decision, and you had to make decisions for the rest of your family and for yourself yeah. to be right with God and. It's the whole deception of the thing. She's comfortable with the decision she made. When we came back, we reunited. That was the first thing we did. Um, and with our families, too, as well. You know? let's, let's, let's go and talk about the, the, the leaving then. So you say that the moment, so the moments where you realize this is, this is it is when? When you're being beat, when your wife's being beat, mm -hmm. when the guy's getting chased with a knife, when it gets physical, mm -hmm. that is for whatever reason... You could overlook the sexual stuff or the money stuff or the power stuff or the mm -hmm. control stuff. But when it came to physical, 
you realize this ain't cool. My desire to get away was getting stronger than my fear. Uh -huh. But this fear was still there. So in my mind, I orchestrated an escape with my wife for a period of six months so that I still felt like God wouldn't punish me. It was just me. We couldn't continue with it anymore. We couldn't do it anymore. So it was us, yeah. not, not them. That's a powerful thought, the desire to get away, getting stronger than your fear. It seems like that that's is... That's the whole key. Yeah, that's the key. It's the whole key. You have to want it. I wanted six months prior, my wife wasn't ready yet, and I wasn't going to go without my family. Hmm. Wasn't going to do that. So we waited the six months. Because you were done. I was done. So we waited the six months. We planned. We worked on it. We talked about it. We plotted Planned it. what? And, you Planned know, the getaway. An escape? Yep. And it had to be orchestrated and planned, but it had to be spur of the moment as well. Why would it have to be an escape? Was he with you? Yeah, he was with us most of the time. At that point, he's with you 24 seven Consistently. Yeah. What is your house? I mean, you're, if you're moving around, does your house have stuff in it? Or is it? Nope. Slept in sleeping bags. You had sleep, so you had no furniture? One card table. What? And four chairs. Was the only thing in your home? That's it. For years. For years? So that you could pick up and move. And what would what would uh, preempt the moves? What you know, would... um, fake dressers, you know, that, that are cardboard. Yeah. Um, you know, preempt the move. Lord has a word for you. He wants you to get a different job. So you'd quit? Or no, I, I had job offers all the time. It was every year, Headhunter was calling me, and um, I'd get an offer. I'd present it to him. He'd say, "Yeah, I think that's the Lord. You should do it." And then he'd move and with you. The salary increases would continue. <laughs> Gosh, and then he'd he'd go away. But most of the time he spent with us was he spent the most time with us out of anybody. Mm. Because he always claimed all along that he could never stay in a house alone with a woman because he was pure. So it always had to be a man in the house when there was a woman in the house. Which was the manipulation, right? Another part of the manipulation. Or the illusion of purity or of closeness to God. And in your psychology, did you overlook then all of the things that, you know, we're going to these other towns and we're faking sexual acts? I thought I was doing something for God. Yeah, it was never about him, huh? In my heart, I still, not, I don't think that now, yeah. but that's what I thought all along. Yeah. That's how I could do those things, which, you know, you guys sit here and go, what a idiot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, think would, I would, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now, now you think that. Yeah. I would, too. I'd say, what an idiot. But to those people, that's where you've told me, you've told me this time and time again, it was so subtle. That's the slope. You, you, oh, you couldn't catch it. Correct. And the key is the fear and the key is the isolation. So those are the two most important points you got to take. It's the fear and it's the isolation. There is safety in the multitude of counselors. Yeah. It doesn't mean that all the counselors have to be right. Yeah. It's the multitude of counselors. It's, it's, a, it's what, true community? It's having pe other people, by counselors, you mean just other people you can talk to, right? Correct. Absolutely. There is a time when you do separate from your family. It's easy yeah. to come up with those scriptures. Yeah. Say, you know, God separates you, you know, because they're not like-minded as right. you are, but they're still your family and there's still things that, that there's safety in that too. But really from a Christian standpoint, um, from a biblical standpoint, 
what it means is there's safety in a multitude of spiritual counselors. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't mean they all have to be pastors. It doesn't mean they have to all be, you know, whatever it is. And that's the key is, is the fear. If there's fear, there is godly fear. There is, there's a certain amount of godly fear that we don't fall away from God, but there's a different kind of fear. And that's the kind of fear that is, is not of God. Mm -hmm. And that's a slippery slope. Fear of God that comes from man? Is it that? I mean, is it a fear of God that's instilled in you by a man? Exactly. I mean, because that's really what you're dealing with, right? This exactly. is, if you don't do this, this is disobedience. Yes, absolutely. You bet. So, so interesting. So what we did is um, we could not um, calculate the time of the visits. And we were kept under his thumb by phone calls. If he was away, I mean, he, it's like he was always constantly on the phone with him. Yes, we're doing this. Yes, we're doing that. Mm -hmm. You know, he kept a thumb on you, you know, a control thumb on you. So what we planned was um, at some point in time, we said we were going to go away when he wasn't there, but then he came back. And so we're stuck there and we go, we got to go. And the kids are all jumping up and down. They were ready. We got to go. Yeah. You know, come on, let's go. You know what I mean? My wife was ready. And so, um, you know, we just, it just all fell into place. Um, you know, he went away in the morning with one of the other guys that was living with us because there was to be a birthday celebration for him in the evening. And then he left us, which doesn't happen often because normally he will have me drive to work with him and he'll take my car and use it for the day. That happened a lot. Hmm. And, um, in this instance, he went with the other person to, to plan and said, okay, you go ahead and stay here, do what you got to do, and then go to work. That didn't happen that often, where you were left to your own But he was devices. micromanaging your days like that then. You're going to go here, you're going to oh, do this, you're going to... Complete micromanagement. Kids too or not? Yep. Everything. Dress, everything you do. Dress, what you wear? Yeah, yeah. He would tell you what to wear. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I mean, he would help you buy your clothes so that you were dressed properly for work, those types of things. And he would help you color coat. And you what know. did you call him by name, or did you have a name? Did you call him something? No, we called him by his name. Okay. Yes. And he got to the point where I remember him saying towards the end, um, "I'm a man of God. It's like Moses. Mm -hmm. Don't look at me. Mm -hmm. When you walk by me, you turn your head. When really? you walk by me, yeah. Like the example of when Moses came down, you know, from the mountain." <laughs> Was, was it ever like when you look back at it to think, okay, this guy that first came into your life that was such a seemed like such a gift in a time of desperation is now this? Right. The contrast seems to be didn't staggering. have time to to consider it. Just too afraid and too wanting to get out. When you think about it now, though, does it seem like two different people? The guy that first came in and the absolutely, guy that, yeah, completely two different people. Maybe bipolar. Yeah. You know, that's what I thought. For sure, it seems like a different person. Completely different person. And so he left, and I said, this is it. But the problem was is three of the kids had already gone to school. And so we had to go to three different schools and mm. round them up, and we ran because we didn't know when he'd come back. Where'd you head? Where'd we you headed to the first school, which was down the street, picked up that one. Headed to the second school, picked up the second one, to the third school. The whole time we're going, oh, God, I hope I get them all. I hope I get them all and get out of here. Wow. And we got them all, got it all, didn't take anything with us. Nothing? Nothing. Left it all there. Where did you drive to? 
Um, we wrote a note on the counter saying, sorry, we can't do this anymore. It's not you, it's us. We just need to move on. We can't do this. Here's the house. The rent's paid up through the month. <laughs> Feel free to do whatever you want with it. Um, and you know, were you in the lease of the house or yeah? And you're just cut and run. It's time to go. Cut and run. What did you so? And then so you leave. It's like an escape. It's we like got, a. It's like a straight exactly up what it was. We got out of town. We, what was that feeling when you get the the last kid? Exhilaration. Uh, a, there's nothing other than salvation that you can use to describe it. It's complete exhilaration and freedom. Did you cry? Oh, absolutely. You bet. But we were so happy that that really wasn't, it wasn't a somber thing. It was just, wow, joy. we finally did it. You know what I mean? And overcame and you the You left your job, everything, right? Yeah. Um, so we're driving down the road to a place 45 miles away to stay in a hotel. And I call my job and I tell them, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I told the girl that was one of my uh, employees because I, I was a director, so I had people under me. I said, we're leaving, and I am literally running for my life. Um, you told her the whole thing? Yeah. I mean, they had to have noticed there were strange things about us, but they never said anything. Why would they have noticed? Um, just the him always showing up. With at, work? at work? Yeah. Oh. And, you know, that kind of thing. But not enough to where it was ever obvious. And so I just tell them, that's what we're doing. You know, we're getting away from this. We were in a cult. You told them straight up we were in a cult. Danger to our life. Um, did you, at some point, did you start identifying that you were in a cult? Like, did you use that verbiage? Did you think not that? Not until afterwards. Okay. So yeah. that you didn't, so like when, when you escaped, you, that's what you called it? Mm -hmm. Do you remember, did it ever click though during that no. this is cult? So no. just afterwards, it's like all of a sudden and you it took us for it. weeks to get to that point because we're still overcoming the fear. Okay. Mm -hmm. Is the lightning going to strike? Yeah. You see? And it never did. And it never did. No. And then we stayed in a hotel. Called my my boss called me. Um, he was the division president. I told him the situation. He said, "Okay." He said, "All right." Um, he said, "This is what I want you to do. This is um, we'll continue to pay you." He said, "I want you to go uh, to uh, a hotel where you feel safe." Okay. Um, he said, "Should we be afraid?" I said, "I don't believe that he's." Violent in that way, he normally, when things go bad, he just disappears because he doesn't want any confrontation with it. He'd never file for taxes. He's a ghost. Wow. You can't find him. Can't find him. He's a ghost. You, you could not find him. And that's the way he played it. Do you think you even knew his real name? Or you yeah, think? I, I knew. I met his family. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. You know, I've seen, I've seen proof of that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, and I did the research and his your early childhood, it's there. The evidence is there of him singing gospel music and things like that. And his family. I met most of his family. Yeah. So um, we went and stayed in an extended stay for a month and a half. And your boss, what I mean, what I would just great... worked out of the hotel. Wow. Willing to pay you computer, and all that kind of well, stuff. Well, I, I could do guy. the same thing in there that I could do in the office. Yeah. Because uh, most of my work is, is traveling and things like that, you know. Awesome boss, though, to be able to, you know, allow that to happen. What? I don't know what that's all about, oh. but it's certainly ringing off the hook. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was. It was a gift. They weren't Christians. They didn't have to do that. Um, obviously, you know, I was a valued enough employee to do that. Did he I, come looking for you? He did. 
Yeah, he came later that afternoon with his with the guy and said, to to your work. to the to the office. Yeah, and said, and, "Hey, where is he? I mean, what happened? We were all going to have a birthday celebration. He just disappeared. They didn't tell him nothing. He kind of got got the idea what happened. He got mad. I think. You oh, he know, did. You know, but I mean, I don't. It wasn't mad enough to you know cause any problems or anything like that. He just kind of hopped off, stomped off. I think he came back a second time. They said, and I stayed away from the office for a month and a half. Um, we knew some people in the office, um, that I was, that my family was friends with. They weren't Christians, but, um, they had had a real hard time of it. Um, they had lost their oldest daughter. She was murdered. Mm. And so we were really kind of close and the husband was an ex hell's angel. And so, um, when she found out about it, she got in contact with me. Um, I never got any phone calls. I knew I would. Once from what? From him? Yeah. Once he's done, he's done. Disappeared. And, yeah. Because he doesn't want any trouble. Because at this point, trouble. there's the the law enforcement's not involved. That's right. And he doesn't want that. He right. wants to stay, exactly. as most people probably in that type of position would. Under, what do you call that? Uh, go to ground. Mm -hmm. And the guys, I called a couple, I called the one guy and tried to, I called one of the girls who was my wife's best friend. They hang up on you. That's what you're told to do. That's what you're taught to do. We if did somebody it. We've calls. done it before too. Because other people had escaped or He's left. He's in sin. Boom. Click. And then he tells them lies. You know, man. You. I hear stories like this though. I mean, it's it's cult, cultic, but I mean, and I'm. I who, who knows? But I mean, I you, I've seen some of those specials on like Scientology, the Church of Scientology, um, these different cults. But it seems like there's there's reoccurring themes. No matter what religion that these people become extreme or fanatic or cultic. There's a lot of those same re reoccurring uh, practices. You hang up on anybody that opposes what we're doing. Yeah. You shun or turn your back on anybody who says that what we're doing is evil. Basically, you just shut well, up, look at and the shut up the noise. It's called a shunning. Hmm. It's it's similar. You know, it's so that you don't get polluted with something that will taint your belief. You know? <laughs> Which shows how weak your beliefs are, right? Like if your beliefs can't stand up well, to that's conversation. What I'm saying. It's like I tell. You know, the I can go to your church. I can sit in there in the pew. It doesn't bother me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I'm happy for how the gospel might be preached in any way, fashion, or form, but it's not going to change who I am. How did you find your daughter? Um, well, when we got out, we we um, we got into contact with my wife's family, and then we we were able to to uh, get her phone number. We had a conversation. So she was she at that point was with your wife's family. No, well, she did okay. for years, um, but by that time she's twenty. Let's see, sixteen, eight. She's twenty-four. She's already married, um, and living in San Diego, and and uh, you know, in her career, you mm -hmm. know, type of thing. And so, um, in that five-week period that we stayed in the hotel, we went down to San Diego for a weekend and. And visited with when her. you call your family, are they like, "Oh my God, where you been?" Are they are they pissed? Are they like, "No, they were pissed." Like, why are you calling us? Some like, of them were, "Oh my God, where you been?" And some of them were pissed. Some of them are still pissed. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure you understand why, right? I mean, uh, is it? It's probably like a struggle. Yeah. Uh, because it's like you're like you don't get it. We didn't mean to be like that. We weren't even in our right mind. If I can't explain that to a Christian who has the Holy Spirit to understand it. How am I going to explain that to somebody who doesn't have the Holy Spirit? Now, there are some people that are just perceptive and get it, and they mm -hmm. move on, and they don't care whether they have the Spirit or not. Mm -hmm. But 
it's probably more difficult with them because there's not that ability to forgive. Well, and especially if they feel wounded. And they right? were. They were yeah. they were hurt. And that's understandable. You know. What was your daughter's response? She was glad to get back with us. She was, but it was she was hurt a little bit, yeah, you I'd could imagine. tell. And I think her biggest thing in the beginning was probably really just trying to justify that what she did was the right thing to do because I think that haunted her. Yeah. You know what I mean? Did I do the right thing? You know what I mean? Because she left you. Right. When did the guilt hit you? When did you, when did the, when you're, because I would imagine it does, I would imagine you, or maybe it didn't, but you escape, there's joy, there's all this kind of stuff. Did you ever feel, I left my, my own daughter, my daughter left, you know, at some there point. There was a moment of that the minute it happened. There was a 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes. That's minutes. it. That's it because of the fear. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you have to concentrate on what you're doing so that you don't make a mistake and get in trouble. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? But it never hit you. It never hit you after you're out? Fleeting moments. Mm -hmm. Fleeting moments. That was what she chose. You know, you justify it because you're indoctrinated by that way. But what about That's when you're out? It's not cold and calloused. When you're out, fleeting moments. But I realize and I know that. It's like salvation. It's like addiction was with me. Um, how do you go cold turkey after six years? How do you do that? How do you not feel the guilt? It's the Holy Spirit. So you feel like God is the one that helps you move past the guilt of whatever you Absolutely. should be feeling. He's the only one. That Here's what's fascinating to me about your story, and I respect you highly for it. You, Most people that would go through this kind of stuff would be like, dude, I want nothing to do with organized religion. I want nothing to do with faith. I want nothing to do with whatever this God that is up there because of how he's been uh, portrayed. You're still a man of faith. You're still a man who talks about God. And you talked a lot about that foundation in the beginning. But how do you do that? That foundation. That's what it is. That's a foundation. If you don't have that foundation, it it's you're really barking up. So you can always tree. you can always separate the fact that it was a man that misrepresented God. It wasn't God. Absolutely. Most people can't do that. You know that, right? I do. Yeah. I do. It's rare, and I understand that. Um, another family, they. I mean, it's like I talked to this one guy, and I I told him they just drank up a storm. Mm. That's all they. That's how they deal with it. To medicate, to, I mean, to escape. And, and we talked about it, and, I, and I, I can understand that. You know what I mean? So I don't think, well, why me? Because it's not me. It's God who, how did, I, how did I go cold turkey with no withdrawals after six years? It's God who did it. That's not to say that Alcoholics Anonymous and the 12 steps of addiction aren't, that's, that's real too. It's however way you get to where you got to go. God still is the God of miracles, and he can still do it the way he wants to do it. He yeah. chose to do it that way for me. You don't think any of that has, is, is just personality, though, too? Because there are people that aren't Christians and aren't saved that are able to quit drugs cold turkey without the power of the Holy Spirit based upon their personality. I mean, I've seen it. You hear the stories. People that I just decided that Discipline. I'm not going to do it anymore, and I flipped the switch. I believe that that may be true in certain instances, but I don't believe that that's true with me because mm -hmm. I had no control. And then all of a sudden God had control. What about your wife? Is it's the same thing with the guilt. Mm -hmm. How do you overcome it? I had too many kids, too many needs, 
too many problems to get bogged down. I had to move forward. And, and that's what I hear too. Like, it's like from, from you, it's almost like this sense of, I can't stay there. I can't stay in the, in the negative. I couldn't afford to Otherwise, stay there. if I stay there, I'm going to be there my whole life. I'm going to be overwhelmed with my regrets right. and my shame and whatever. So rather than be overwhelmed with my regrets and my shame and all this, I'm going to eyes up, move forward. Right. What's next? Right. Has it been that easy for your wife? Um, almost, mm -hmm. but not quite. Yeah. Almost, but not quite. Difference, different personalities. So, so a lot of it is. I mean, personality does play somewhat of a role. It 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 does, but I can't say that that's a consistent thing because mm -hmm. all I can say is, it's what God gave me. It was just what He gave me to me personally at that point, mm -hmm. and I can't say that it was me, and I can't say that because somebody went a different way that that was different. It's it's how. God chose to work with me at that point. Mm -hmm. That's all I could say. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I can't differentiate as to the why. I just the the how. Yeah. You know what I mean? And your your faith now, you don't feel do you feel like you're more um cautious when it comes to organized religion? When it comes to churches and pastors, and it took us a long time to go back to church. Oh, yeah, I would, I would, I could only imagine. To me, that's why, because I don't know. I mean, I've been raised in church. I'm, you know, I yeah. work at a church, pastor, speaker, whatever. Like, but I don't know that if I experienced that, that I would, I'd be like, uh, you know, so but I could understand. When I say that. long time, I mean months. I mean months. That's it. I mean. It's it's the, it's back to foundation. It's okay. So at point, some point you realize we still need the community of the church. We still need. Two thousand four May. That was Deliverance Day. Two thousand four May fourth. Okay. Yeah. Moved down here from uh, Sacramento in January of for, for another job. January of um, two thousand five, and then. And we had already started going to a big Elk Grove church in Sacramento, mm -hmm. I mean, within two or three months. Mm -hmm. For me, that's a long period of time because, I mean, you need to stay in mainline church. You know what I'm saying? Well, why do you think that that's important? You know, Scripture says, don't forsake the gathering of the saints. And um, you need worship. You need spiritual food. You need all those things. You need to do it for yourself personally so that you have your own walk and your own foundation. But you need to bolster it too, as well. How have you not turned your back on scripture when scripture was the thing that man used to hurt you? Because it wasn't God, it wasn't the scripture, it was man. So you can separate that it was the interpretation that they were proposing that was preposterous? Absolutely. And still look to that as your guide? Absolutely. Not common, not easy to do. Not common, not easy to do. For a lot right. of people, yeah. there's a lot of people that um, have given up on God in. Of the 35 people that, you know, I'm sure, you know, there's only a handful uh, left. I talk with a couple and that's about it. Don't know where these people are now, the majority of them. Do you know where he is? Nope. I searched it once, but he travels. He's still up to his same shenanigans? I have no idea. I can't track it. I'd have to talk to somebody And personally. you probably don't want to. It's part of you just like, let's not go there ever we again. We tried. We tried. We tried in 2000. Six, when we contacted all the families, we tried again to contact my wife's best friend. Um, we tried repeatedly. We, we told her family. We, we told him to go search her out. Um, you know, we tried. 
and they they just went underground. And we only tried with her. Um, we tried with um, another gentleman too. Um, and then it was always, you know, we don't have the phone numbers anymore, hang up, you know, that kind of thing. You know, one gentleman that we tried with, we got in contact with his family because he had, because of the repeated beatings, he had um, had a detached retina. It was so bad that, that they said he was going to lose the eyesight in one eye. Hmm. But um, I think, um, you know, he still was entrenched in it because he thought he was going to, you know, be in trouble with God. In 2004 is when you? 2005, 2006. Is when you left? 2004 is when we left. Okay. Yeah. May May 4th. It's clear that you've moved past all of this. I would imagine in a lot of ways, does it feel almost like a dream? Like it was a different life? To me personally, but there's remnants in the children. So you, you see real life? See it every day. Won't, won't, won't. How won't, do you see won't it? Won't leave. How do you see it? The decisions they make, the lives they live. The behaviors. Um, the behaviors. Absolutely. Did it, so do you feel like it's probably hurt them more than it is you because they were in such a developmental stage? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. That's just, that's, that's understandable. You know. This many years past, do you feel like, um, do you feel like, I mean, I know you moved past what you've been through. Do you feel like you fully 100% reconciled it? Do you feel like you're... I felt like I did that immediately. Yeah. You know, because just didn't have time to look back. You know, and my wife has been pretty much the same too. I mean, but a little bit because, you know, I think sometimes the wives deal more with the children than the yeah. husbands do. Yeah. I mean, just logistics, you know what I mean? At home more, contact more, that type of thing. Do you ever have moments, smells, sounds, thoughts that bring back the emotions? When sometimes when people go through like a breakup or something, you'll hear a song or you'll hear a smell or something and all of a sudden you almost like start feeling what you felt back then. Do you ever have those moments? No. Just full detachment? Mm -hmm. hmm. Probably my wife more than me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Probably my wife more than me. Yeah. Do you feel like you are... And um, my children. And your kids obviously experience that more. Absolutely. Do you, so to go back to, I just want to, just for clarity's sake, do you, do you find it harder, though, to trust people who say they're men and women of God based I, upon your experience? Pastors, do you find yourself more suspicious, or do you take, does it take longer to, no. to trust? I, I still am the same trusting person. I'm just more cautious. Mm -hmm. That's all. I mean, I think that together my wife and I um, were a little bit more... Um, we see the signs. You do you know. see them? Do you see the signs? Do you see it in other people? Do you hear ever hear and be like, oh. not like that? Um, I mean, there's normal things, you know. There's that's just normal stuff, you know what I mean? That's normal. What's not normal? like that. I mean, like, you know, you go to a church and you see, you know, you you don't really relate to people on a personal basis unless you go to Bible studies. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Home studies, and you see things about them as my wife has always been very perceptive and and you see there's problems but it's not like what we're talking about this yeah yeah it's different it's it's much more surface it's like it yeah it's like the drugs i don't think god's ever really led me back into that arena to to really 
um, witness about it or anything like that. Maybe only a few times, and that's it. I think he just so we don't see it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know we don't see it. I'm there. I'm available if somebody ever needed any help. Yeah, right. Um, but we just don't see it. We're too busy trying to repair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I imagine. You know, a lot of work. Yeah, it really is. Probably your life's work. It will be. Yeah, it has been. Especially with your family. Absolutely. Family, right. You bet. Absolutely. Do you see? Do you when you hear about certain other faiths, religions, encountering people in different belief systems, do you do you see? Do you view some of those things as more? I mean, cult is a strong word, but cultic in the sense of control. Do you Absolutely. See? Yeah. I mean that you can see that in 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 those instances, but I knew that already going in. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? I was taught that early. You know, I. Um, You're taught what early? Um, the kingdom of cults. Uh huh. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a Walter. Back in the seventies, it was a. Book oh, it's an actual thing. It's called the kingdom of yeah. cults. Did you read it? What What is it? It's a book on cults. You know, and you and you were educated. In but this, it, you were educated in this prior thing prior to going into one. That was all parting part of the indoctrination. But it was talked about the mainline cults. You know, like that you would call cultic, like in in Christianity. You know, like um, different types of faiths and things like that. You know, they they say this is what's wrong with this. This is what's not scripture with this. And he would he wrote a whole book about it. And as a deacon or a elder, if you were in church or if you were involved in Bible studies, you know, or new pastors, hey, why don't you read that book? It's interesting read. You know, so we, I read that book too. You know, so yeah, I them but this came out of what my core belief was Mm -hmm. and then it was just so subtle baby steps from there exactly how do you define a cult now like how do you if somebody i mean if you're talking to somebody and you're like yeah that's not good how do you define the what are the key signs you said isolation you said isolation and fear fear. um, impropriety sexually um physical abuse um that's justified by spiritual means. Correct. Absolutely. Those are, I mean, those are big ones. The subtle ones, um, I could pick those up if I was in front of me because I would remember, you know what I'm saying? But you don't really get that from people. I have, I have seen it. I have run across it a little bit here and there. You know what I mean? How do you deal with the different, uh, different dress? What do you mean? You know, like um, all the girls have to wear long dresses are those, is that you kind you know, of? Can I know? still see that. I still see that in in a lot of different what they would call mainline Christian mm. sects. It's very subtle. There's nothing wrong with it, but it brings back that memory. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's TV shows. You know what I mean? It does bring back that memory. You know what I mean? Of that control, mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily um, that it's wrong. It's just that there's something wrong with the spirit of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that could lead to other problems. Does it make it hard for you to trust people that um, that direct you in life, bosses? No, you're able to still function. And yes. hey, here's what we need you to do, Walter. Yes, just more cautious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. What a journey, man! What a journey. Yeah. Do you ever still feel, living it? Do you? <laughs> Do you ever struggle with feeling alone? Un- being that you've been through something that is so unique 
that um, my grandma always says this statement about some of the things that she's gone through and it always sticks there. She's like, you never understand it unless you lived it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is in a lot of ways one of those situations that I can have empathy and I can listen and wow, be interested and and imagine what it would be like. But there is no way that I could understand fully what that feels like, what that is like, the internal war struggle, the emotions, the the way that you see it, because I haven't lived it. Do right. you ever do you ever feel isolated still because of that? Do you ever feel like, you know, it's like people that go to war and come back, you know, and they have PTSD and it's like, I rather, I, I don't want to be here. I'd rather be out there with my brothers at war and nobody, because it feels like the civilians don't understand what, you know, what it's like to go through the things that I've been through. Do you feel that? In reference to what I went through. Yeah, your journey. The, the No. I have my wife. I have my kids. So you feel, you feel because you have that, yeah. you have everything. Yeah. I mean, we can still discuss things. Do you discuss it, though? From time to time. Really? You know, like, um, isn't it interesting that we didn't notice this, or why did we do that, or what is the ramifications for this person and that person? Because we're still in contact with several other people that, were involved in it, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, maybe eight or nine people, ten people. Have they picked up the pieces? No. They have, but in a different way. They're still struggling. Yes. And we're still struggling. Yeah. But just... Um, what does the struggle look like more for you guys now? Is it more with your kids? Absolutely. Is that where the... I mean, because yeah. it seems like you even have the mental toughness or, you know, God that helps you move past it, but obviously there's probably still some of the tension more with the mm-hmm. family. Right? Yeah, absolutely. How are you navigating that conversation, talking about it? As much as you can. Yeah. Um, you know, they got to live their lives now. Yeah. You know, they're all older. You pray. You got to pray more. Are they have are they um, in objection to religion because of their experience in a lot of ways? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Some less than others, some more than others. Older ones probably have a harder time. One yes, one no. Hmm. Um, just different personalities, different yeah. time periods, different people. Yeah. Everybody's unique, you know. And um, trying to think. Yeah, I mean, we still do discuss it, you know, yeah. but from time to time. Um, it's fleeting because it's not something that I don't think, you know, really benefits, you know what I mean, other than to learn a lesson. But well, there's so much that we have to think about moving forward. And, you know, parents, whether they've been through rocky times or not, always struggle with that transition of, well, they're an adult now. So how, how the relationship changes. It becomes adult to adult instead of parent to a child. Mm-hmm. You still think that it's parent to child, and you still try to carry that relationship that mm-hmm. way, but there's a different um, dynamic to it, and you have to consider that dynamic as well. Mm-hmm. You know, There are just some things I cannot give them. Yeah. They are going to have to find God, Yeah, like I did, 
Yeah. I will pray for them every day to do that. I will talk to them about it, but I can't be, I can't create that, that call for yeah. them. They have to see it for yeah. themselves. I think too, I mean, it just as a parent, I mean, that journey is interesting because there's no such thing as a perfect parent and whether you're your journey or somebody else's who may be the polar opposite, there's still issues of navigating through just the ups and downs of life mm -hmm. that I think is just a part of the human experience that transcends our actual experiences as humans, mm -hmm. you know, to know that that is, that's a part of the ride and a part of the journey. Absolutely. You know, you bet. You are a man. I admire you so much for your ability to move past into um, be able to continue to forge away mm -hmm. and not um, to go through what you've been through and to still have such strong confidence in what you believe to me shows the strength and the um, the ability of what you believe to mm -hmm. outlast even your experiences. And I think that that's powerful. There's still that guilt. There isn't an instance... Well, there are instances. There isn't a time from time to time where I don't feel like I've been a failure. Mm. Okay. So I don't look at it like that, but I am so driven by the immediate need that I have in front of me that I can't allow myself to be overcome by that. Mm -hmm. God is still the God of forgiveness. He's still mm. up there. He's still in control. Mm. I'll go someday. Yeah. And when I go, I look forward to meeting him. Yeah. That'll be reward enough. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This is still, you know, it's not perfect down here. It's not. You know what I'm saying? And that just that reaching forward mm -hmm. is what keeps you going. Exactly. So you, you push it down and you put it in a box and you commit it to God and you move forward. Yeah. Do you think, how do, how do you do that and still find healing? Like, I mean, because isn't bottling it up, putting it in a box, not always a good thing? At some point, don't you have to, don't you have to acknowledge the pain to find healing? Don't you have to say, I am here to be able to get there? I have done that. Yeah. I have. And that's, but that's even what you're saying with your kids, right? Like that's the... Yeah. That's the thing that I think you're saying you're continuing it's, to do, right? It's coming like, back up. Right. And that's that's why you have to be committed to maybe some of the dialogue or to go back. Correct. Even though it may feel unproductive for you personally mm -hmm. because you're past that. Right. Knowing that there, there's a difference. I mean, I talk about this sometimes. There's a difference between getting past what you've been through and actually healing from mm -hmm. what you've been through. Right. Like looking at it and saying, this, this happened. Right. Like this did happen. Yeah. No, I don't not acknowledge it. Yeah. It's just... There, you can't talk about it with everybody. You can't. But I have been able to talk enough with certain people, and yeah. and my wife and I, and we have the whole family. So yeah. it's not bottled up. It just has to be, you know what I mean? When it comes back up because of the guilt, the devil, you know, wants you to feel that guilt. And so you have to put that in a box and give it to God. Do you despise the man that did this to you? No. You hate him? No. How do you feel towards him? Pity. Wow. Pity. I think there's a few others that might say differently than me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I think that's part of it too. Um, I think, you know, my wife is similar, um, but probably maybe, maybe as less forgiving as me, but she, she's gotten there. She's good, but it doesn't mean that it, when there's a, a new problem arising, that's a ramification of it that yeah. it doesn't come back up. Cause you probably, you probably have those, right? That Absolutely. you see, okay, yeah, this is connected to that still. Absolutely. Absolutely. Why you choose the word pity? Feel sorry for him, you know, that, um, whatever led him down that path, you know, that, uh, it doesn't mean I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I wished I had done that a couple yeah. of times. I could have, yeah. I just chose not to, um, you know what I mean? But, um, you know, whatever he went through, it's, you know, he got hurt by the church, you know, and he got hurt by his family, probably more than his family than the church. And he got manipulated and he got taken advantage of. And so that led him to be the way he is, you know what I mean? And there was red flags all over the place with his family. They just didn't deal with it properly. Maybe in the 50s you didn't. I don't know. Do you think you'll ever tell your story more? You think you'll ever? I mean, it's a, it's it's a straight up movie. You realize that, right? Um, I I think I'll write it down someday. Yeah, you should. I think you should write it down. I think it'd be interesting to hear just the perspective. I feel like because I feel like a lot of that healing comes from the purge. You know, there's something about when you talk about it, when you write it down, when you get it out of you. So it main, almost comes out of you. So mainstream counselors will tell you it's called keeping a journal. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, it's it makes sense. Yeah. It does, you know. Have you guys, have, is any of you guys, like you or your kids, uh, gone to formal counseling? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. I'd imagine that's helped some for your... Some, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What a journey, man. <laughs> what a journey. I appreciate you having this conversation with me. I know it's probably never easy. No. <laughs> And you're like, Nick, don't make me do this again. But I'll do it for you. I appreciate it. I'll do and, it for um, you know, I think my my um, thing through it is, is I think that life is a constant, um, constant pursuit of perspective. And I think that it's important sometimes to hear some of the stories that, man, they seem over here. But I think in hearing the story that's over here, it helps bring the listener back to here. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? To remember what it's really about, whether it be somebody who... There's people, Walter, who turn their back on faith that have been through far less than what you've been through. I had a conversation with an evangelist about that, and um, we talked about how some of the other families had dealt with it. And I mean, I understood that kind of going in. That's what he told me. You know what I mean? You know, somebody who I respected, and we talked about it afterwards, and he said, yeah, people walk away for a lot less. Yeah, they do. But that was the foundation. Yeah, that's why the foundation's critical. You were able to separate. God didn't do this; a guy did, you know. And that's that's the thing that's that's hard to um, separate, you know. Well, there could have been other things that were even worse that could have happened, and then maybe I couldn't have been able to separate it. Yeah, I think God knows our breaking point. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. Well, my friend, I appreciate you stopping by, and I believe this story's gonna going to help a lot of people. And I hope that you, as you continue, your family continue to find this healing and this uh, forward move it that you 
guys continue to tell it because I think it will continue to impact a lot of people. You've lived it, but I think you, in telling it, keep a lot of other people from living it. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes just awareness, I think, helps you see that, um, oh, that's how it happens. Or you see, you know, it's, what's interesting is that's what I said in the beginning of, of this conversation is like, I've obviously never been involved in, you know, that, but I see elements of the control thing, you know, and I think you can see it. You, you see that. I think you see it in other people. And I think if we're all honest because of our own human insecurity, we see it in ourselves, a need or a desire to be in control. Mm-hmm. And while it's not cultic, you see how destructive ego and a need for power and control can actually be, you know, your story is the extreme of, you know, what happens when those things are in the midst of relationships. But I think if we can identify that it is sometimes that same need for ego or control in the everyday things that sometimes is breaking down the constructs of our work life, of our uh, relationships, of our view of God, I think we can maybe catch it early and fight, you know, that internal war or external war Mm -hmm to um, safeguard ourselves, finding that, you know, security in, um, uh, you know, a multitude of, of, of counselors, people, letting people in on the conversation, being that open book, not having to be in control and not allowing ourselves to be manipulated by fear and things like that to hopefully get our real power back. So I appreciate it. Well summed up. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Walter.